والصلاه والسلام الاتمان الاكملان على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه ومن تبعهم باحسان الى يوم الدين وسلم تسليما كثيرا ما بعد All praise is due to Allah the exalted in might the most wise the most merciful the most gracious We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to exalt the mention grant peace send his blessings and salutations upon the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam The morning time is a time of khair and barakah صح Allah Allah's messenger sallallahu informed us that Allah had made this time a time of barakah um, and I've noticed in my life that many people spend this uh, virtuous time knocked out cold until the day is almost midway or sometimes over and then they emerge uh, from their deep sleep into the you know I don't know wilderness and they miss out so they become like night owls it is they stop, stay up the whole night and sleep in half of the day needless to say that is not from the hadith of the prophet ali sallallahu alaihi now some people might have a job where they work the, what they call the graveyard shift do you guys use that term here yeah, understandable if you have a situation but the the norm is that the morning time is a time where you could go and seek rizq and uh, in this case you're seeking a different type of rizq which is the rizq pertaining to the al-ilm uh, al-nafi' insha'Allah the beneficial knowledge and this is where you're probably most alert you're still fresh so we are going to wrap up um, with this session everything that had uh, been discussed thus far insha'Allah ta'ala and we're going to continue uh, our discussion on the uh, firaq uh, that have deviated from the mainstream uh, teachings of Al-Sunnah Wal-Jama'ah. So we've covered the infamous or notorious Khawarij. We've touched upon and spoke about the Qadariya and Jabariya while we were at it. Type what? Let's instead of instead of looking at it from a historical point of view, as in when did they come or when did they become popular? Let's look at it from a contemporary point of view, as in who these people who seem to be very prevalent or very relevant, or these are the ones that we encounter the most, and therefore we need to discuss this matter with them more frequently than others. What would be a very popular group uh, or a belief system that is? that is within your family, within your society, within the people around you? Who, who would those be that, that fall under one of these firaq? Sufiya. Okay, that's good. But wait, do we consider the Sufiya <coughs> to be among uh, the, uh, the main firaq of deviation? I.e. when we speak about Qadariya, Jabariya, Khawarij, do we put the Sufiya in an independent category or do they fall under something else from a aqidah point of view under the ashaira it could be by the way because sufiya the sufis they're of different strands and different <laughs> the sufis are a wild bunch to be honest with you um, it de depends on where they come from and what they want and who who taught them so they could be a bunch of break dancers 
uh, who happen to have access to a masjid, people put some music for them and they start dancing. Ah, that's, that's their religion. You know, it could be people that are good at, you know, bumping their heads. It could be people that are uh, obsessed with, uh, you know, dhikr uh, jama'i. They do adhkar in unison with a particular uh, rhythm or rhyme to it. And the list goes on. Then you have uh, within their belief systems, obviously, those who are on another, on another uh, platform altogether where they are disconnected from anything that has to do with the sunnah and the name of the sunnah. So we know that. So we're going to put them with the Ash'ar in a sense that from an Aqidah point of view, they're Ash'aris. But who are uh, uh, the Ash'ara? Who, who did they come from? Who's their... Do you think there are a lot of Murji'a today? Tab, can you tell us what, who the Murji'a are? Mm. So, Murji'a are those who make a disconnect between the deeds and the state of the heart. So they say, and it comes from irja, and irja is to delay, is to delay. So they delay the connection between the, between the, the amal and the iman and the heart, i.e., your deeds are not related to your belief which resides in your heart. So, someone could disobey Allah 24-7, engage in no good deeds at all, or maybe a little bit, and is equal to Abu Bakr in Iman. Because, because according to them, Abu Bakr believed in Billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rusulihi wal yawmul akhir wal qadari khayri wa sharrih and this fulan believes in the same six pillars of Iman. And therefore, regardless of his actions, his Iman and that of Abu Bakr are equal. Now I know that sounds like it makes sense, right? It doesn't, of course. But we have, when, when, when we come across, and you, you will see how we're always going to connect, you will be very surprised how in every aspect of these discussions of Aqidah, always and forever you will come to a point where your intellect is going to conflict with the revelation. Always. There will be a conflict between intellect and revelation. And always you are expected to give precedence to the revelation over your intellect. So if we were to address this issue legislatively from textual evidence, how do we respond to someone that says Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali anhum believed in the six pillars of Iman. You believe in the six pillars of Iman. How could he be a better mu'min than you? When you have Iman, he has Iman. Do we have anything from the Quran and the Sunnah to refute this claim? Yeah, tamam. Where? Hmm? Give me an ayah. Uh, 
Verily, indeed, the believers are those who when Allah's name is mentioned, their hearts tremble. And when his ayat are recited upon them, زَادَتْهُمْ imana. It will increase them in iman. Explicit in the book of Allah that your iman increases. Another ayah, it increases them iman ma imanihim. It will increase them with iman over their existing iman. Then we have many other evidences from the Quran and the Sunnah which we will not elaborate on, on uh, at the moment. All of them explain that your iman increases and it decreases. This is from the usul of the belief of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And even you within yourself, you within yourself, you've experienced this. You yourself know right now in this uh, in these last few days, you believe Allahu Alam, you feel maybe that you're in a completely different zone than when you're in your normal life. Right now you may pray and take 10 minutes in your nafila. You have nothing going on. No rush, no dunya trying to you know, take you away. So you feel in a state of comfort. You feel that your iman has increased ever since you started hearing and studying and taking notes. F let this end. Go back to your daily routine and you will see that there will be an increase in iman, decrease in iman. You go back to you know, the dunya and the give and take and all these you know, haram everywhere. You're hearing it, you're seeing it. Yeah, you lower your gaze. Yeah, you avoid it. But that initial inter interaction is going to have an impact on you. So that's something that you can experience from your own life. So what does the murji'ah though? The murji'ah, um, their issue today, I mean, where do you see it uh, manifest the most? with family members that don't do anything that is part of Islam, but then they don't want to be told otherwise also that they're any less Muslim than anyone. You tell your uncle, your uncle, you haven't prayed in 10 years. He doesn't want to hear it. He believes that he is a better Muslim than you. Who are you, Aslan? You're 20 years old and I'm 45. You're going to come and tell me about my religion. I know my Islam. You don't pray, you don't do anything. It's okay. According to him, because of this irja' which has become prevalent among the Muslims, there's no connection between his deeds and his Iman. He still believes that he's a full-fledged Muslim and a full-fledged mu'min, even though the person might be in a state of perpetual violation of the deen of Allah. So when you know these evidences, you can also give uh, hidayah and guidance to your uncle, your relative, that this is not how it works. Iblis had knowledge, Iblis had acknowledgement of all the pillars of Iman and all the matters that we're speaking about and that didn't qualify Iblis to be a believer in any way, shape or form. The mere acknowledgement of certain things in Islam does not equate Iman. There has to be Islam. That's why you're a Muslim, you have to submit to Allah. You have to conform to the revelation. You're not going to be an angel, do everything right, never do anything wrong. That's a given, that's all of us. But you have to be involved in the process of worshipping Allah for you to manifest your iman and your belief. So that's a very critical issue among the Muslims today, the fact that they don't want to uh, connect those two. Now, there is a, a group though, that, could that also deviated within Irja, who because of their, for, for, we don't, we don't, we're not people of takfir. Passing takfir on someone is a very serious matter. Some, have reached a point in their wariness of takfir that they no longer pass takfir even on the one who deserves to be a kafir. And then they fall into irja. So there are guidelines, there's dawabit that we follow in terms of takfir. There are two extremes. There's a group of youth 
MashaAllah, Tabarakallah, who have a, a, a takfir gun. They walk around with a takfir gun and anyone and anybody that they see, they shoot him with the takfir gun with no hesitation. Before they ask who you are, what your name is, what you've done, just from, from the mere appearance. Yep, not a Muslim. Boof. Take you outside of Islam. They will pass takfir on you that you're not even part of the ummah. Because you drank a cup of coffee or you did something that in their, in their book, that was like a, a violation of the, you know, the usul of iman. Khalas, you're outside of Islam. So these are the takfiris which are all over the place. All over the place. Causing all kinds of fitan upon the Muslims. We don't, we're very wary of, of saying that you have left Islam. There are certain mawani' that have to be omitted. There are certain conditions that have to be met. And the absence of the preventives. Meaning you could do something that is tantamount to kufr, but there's a mani' that prevents it from applying to you. And we have many evidences from the Quran and the Sunnah, the most famous of which is the man who had disobeyed Allah all his life. And he told his children that if when I die, you know, if Allah were to get a hold of me, Yani, woe to me, so when I die, burn me and turn my, my, my uh, you know, body into ashes and scatter me and, uh, in the sea. You know, throw, me, throw it all over the place because if Allah were to get a hold of me, then woe to me. Type. So this person technically had doubts that Allah is able to bring him back. Doesn't Allah bring the people back after they're, they're dead? For on, 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 in one way, this is an act of disbelief. But we know from the hadith that Allah Azza wa asked him, what made you do this? He said, out of fear of you, Allah, Allah forgave him. This hadith, among others, the scholars look in, that's why we look into these matters and we have to be careful. That's why we refer this matter to the ulama. They are scholars that are qualified who can make the assessment and then they could say what needs to be said. For, for you and I, we need to think a million times before we delve into this issue. On the flip side though, we don't want to reach a point where when even, even when we see explicit kufr, we say, no, we still have to hold back because uh, no, you know, that this could not be, we don't want to pass takfir. There are times when the takfir has to be made. Otherwise you will become among the murjia in a sense that you don't want to acknowledge that this is an act of disbelief that takes you outside the folds of Islam. Tamam. After the murjia, who do we have? Al-Jahmiyyah, why are they called Jahmiyyah? Jahm bin Safwan. Is, isn't it amazing that someone's name is, uh, يعني, is kept in history that is blameworthy? You know, your name becomes known not for having done anything good for the world or for the people, for, human, for humankind, for the Muslims. No, your name is preserved in history for being a, a person of bid'ah and innovation. And in spite of that, Jahm ibn Safwan is a musibah of the highest order. Some, some uh, uh, very highly qualified you know, uh, doctors and mashayikh make a video speaking about the legacy of Jahm ibn Safwan. What legacy that Jahm ibn Safwan is going to leave for the ummah? What legacy? What, how do you use the term legacy 
which is a praise is a praiseworthy term with someone that has caused deviation across the ummah from the time he came about until today what was the issue with jahim He will, say, he will attribute Allah's, no, I'm sorry, a human's attributes to Allah and say they are the same? Let's hear other opinions. Hey. He denied all the attributes of Allah except the ones that, except that he existed, that Allah existed. Okay. You had raised your hand. Same thing. Tamam. So the Jahmiyyah and Jahm, were, was an individual that is a prime example of what happens. You know how you know how today when I was walking down the street the other day, and I, I saw a, a, a person who obviously is a drug addict, right? So you, you see like you see drugs and what it does to someone. The person is like standing there twitching. He he can't stand straight. He can't he, you know. You look at him and you say to yourself, Subhanallah, this is what drugs do to people. And then Jahm Nusafwan is, this is what philosophy does to people. Okay. This is when you see a Jahmi, you just say, subhanallah, look what philosophy does to people. When you enter the realm of uh, giving precedence to your intellect over the uh, revelation, then there's no, more, there's no way for you to ever be consistent in your iman. You can no longer submit to any text, and any text is subject to scrutiny, subject to uh, assessment, subject to criticism, and then eventually subject to rejection, the rejection of the text. Now, what did they do it through ta'til, through tahrif? They, they, they use various methods, but the end result is that the text of the Quran and the Sunnah become rejected. If you as a Muslim reject something from the Quran and the Sunnah, then what, what is the difference between you and the, the Jew or the Christian in this sense? Because they also accept aspects of Iman. The Jews and the Christians have commonalities with us. You ask them, you believe in angels? They will tell you, yes, I have three of them at home. Babies with wings. This is the concept of an angel for the Christians. It's a baby with a wing. Or if they want a, a righteous person, they put a halo over his head. And I remember I gave a lecture back in the day about uh, what's up with WhatsApp. <laughs> Back when WhatsApp was like the thing. Um, and I spoke about the issue of emojis. People using certain emojis that are uh, un-Islamic. And, uh, you know, all these Christians lost their mind. They made all these videos and, you know, refutations. Uh, you know, uh, uh, what did, what, I don't know what they called me. A Saudi preacher, I became Saudi without even knowing, uh, says that, you know, <laughs> using, using this uh, emoji is prohibited in Islam. Like, look at these Muslims, they're uh, belittling themselves and focusing on the little things that, that, that are not important. How could this not be important? You cannot be using symbols that are of other religion. You don't believe uh, angels have uh, the wings the way they, they believe. They don't have, we don't have an image of a, mal a malak. So, al-malaika is from ilmul ghaib. So, once you put a, a picture to it, no matter what it is, you're actually affirming something that there's no evidence for from the Quran and the Sunnah. And the same thing can go about certain emojis that are, you know, this, this uh, two hands of begging. Have you ever made dua to Allah like this? 
You haven't seen the Christians or the Buddhists or whatever do it. Yeah, many other religions, they take this as a way of supplicating or begging someone for something. You know, you, you have two hands. You raise your hands for Allah Azza wa Jal. So these are, these are among the things that, you know, you pay attention to. Because we want, the, the disbelievers believe certain things that we believe in. Our point of difference with them is our submission, the complete submission to the Quran and the Sunnah. So this is the Jahmiya, and of course, what about the Mu'tazila? Nobody said anything about the Mu'tazila. And who was the Imam who, who endured this fitna? Who's the Imam of, of, of Sunnah who had to go through the fitna of Khalq al-Quran? Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, rahimahullah. Everybody knows the story of Imam Ahmad in this regard. You know what happened during his time? When, uh, when the, 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 the Wali al-Amr was testing the people with the matter of Khalq al-Quran, some of the scholars did what is known as Tawriya. Zakallah khair. Shukran. Barakallah khair. So they came to them <coughs> and they would say, the, the, يعني, the soldiers, they would come and ask the people. They would say, uh, is the Quran created? So some of them would say, Al-Zabur, Wal-Injil, Wal-Quran, Hadihi Makhluqa. Okay? So the, the Zabur, the Injil and the uh, Quran and then they say those three are created and when, when they were saying those three are created they're referring to their fingers as a way to get out of trouble as a way to get out of trouble from uh, saying what they don't you know believe and at the same time it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's just a way it's something that you could do under very strict circumstances don't make this a, a lifestyle uh, but if it could be allowed. Imam Ahmad, however, rahimahullah, was of such position and such status that the, the, the ummah, the ummah's basically survival, subhanallah, depended on the position that he will take. Allah used Imam Ahmad, as the scholars say, Allah used Imam Ahmad to preserve the sunnah of the Prophet, alayhi salatu That shows you the status of Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah. So Imam Ahmad refused in spite of all of the pressure, in spite of being imprisoned, instead of, in spite of being lashed to change his position. He refused to, to believe or to, to say that the Quran is created. Why? How do we know that the Quran is not created? What evidence do we have from the Quran that the Quran is not created? Can you translate at least the part that is related to us? <laughs> MashaAllah. Good. Is there another ayah? Oh, wait, wait, so you're using this as an evidence that the Qur'an is the speech of Allah, i.e. it's not created? How come? 
Okay. Okay, good. Do we have another ayah? وَإِنْ أَحَدٌ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ اسْتَجَارَكَ فَأَجِرُّ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ And if one of the disbelievers seek your protection, then offer him this protection until he hears the kalam of Allah. And if the kalam of Allah, that makes it an attribute of Allah, and Allah Azza wa Jal is not created, and His attributes are not created, therefore the Qur'an is not created. That's why from the belief of Arsenal al Jama'ah, Al-Qur'an, Kalamullah, is the speech of Allah, غير مخلوق, it is not created. Minhu bada wa ilayhi ya'ud. From Allah it began and to Allah will return. How does it return to Allah Azza wa Jal? We know that before Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the Qur'an will be taken away from the, from the chests and from the people. They will not know anything until the people only say Allah, Allah. That's the only thing that will be left. This is towards the end of time. Otherwise, the message of Islam will be until Yawm Al-Qiyamah. طيب. So these are the Mu'tazila. Do we have a lot of Mu'tazila in this day and time? Have you come across a Mu'tazili ever? You haven't been around. That's good. That's good. Inshallah, you never come across them. Well, the best thing ever is that you never come across a deviant person where you have to engage with them in back and forth. The, 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 the safety is that you just leave, uh, you lead a peaceful life, you believe in Allah, and you meet Allah upon the sound belief. Uh, mixing and interacting with the people of innovation uh, while it is an obligation on the people that are qualified to do so uh, it does come with a tax you know it does come with a tax it, it's draining and it's uh, it, it puts you in a position where you know you have to deal with these doubts and doubts are never never uh, a pleasant thing to deal with they're never a pleasant thing to deal with that's why when we speak about debates uh, some of the brothers were asking me yesterday, the matter of debating those issues is a very serious matter. I would say 99% of the people out there today that are involved in debates are not qualified to be debating about the deen. The people have a major misconception. Even some of the most amazing Christian debaters actually had very little knowledge of Islam. They knew more about Christianity than they knew about Islam. And while they did a great job in dissecting and refuting Christian belief, they unfortunately delivered a wrong message about Islam to the same audience or to the Muslims. You understand? And this is people that are as qualified as they get in refuting Christians. And at some point, uh, what was his name? Shabir Ali? Have you heard of him? He was also uh, amazing in the beginning. Amazing in, in dealing with the Christians. The next thing you know, he doesn't believe in uh, hadith and he doesn't believe in this and he interprets it. And then he came up with a completely different thing. You would say, you know, you might think this is great for, for refuting Christians. No, it's not. No, it's not. This is a disaster of the highest order. And I don't want to mention a lot of names. I just want to give you an example that I'm confident is, is a, a problematic. Some are less problematic than that. But the, the bottom line is it's a very serious issue. Debating is a very serious issue. There's a lot of ego involved. And you're representing Islam. And you could possibly fail Islam. When you fail, it's not just your personal failure. You fail the truth that you're supposed to represent. Why are you putting yourself... Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to be debating? Unless this is a subject matter that you have studied and you have understood and you have some sheikh of yours who told you, go ahead. You have some endorsement from senior scholars, some people that know what's going on, who give you the green light that yes, there's a maslaha in this, there's khair in this. So you go and, and embark on that with plenty of preparation, plenty of preparation and plenty of research and plenty of study. 
lest it backfires as it happened many times. You see all these videos on YouTube where, you know, you're supposed to be representing the truth and it just seems as though the, the deviant person was victorious. And they have nothing but falsehood. They began with falsehood, they ended with falsehood. Who takes the responsibility of that? The, the people that are supposed to be de debating, don't debate. And for you, the average Muslim, the average Muslim who's still studying, don't enter into these debates until and unless you know what you're talking about. Don't listen to debates in the first place. Because all you're doing is exposing yourself to doubts. And the, the, the Sunni representative may or may not adequately and effectively address the refutation. Like even right now, in this class, maybe I've mentioned a few doubts of the, of the deviant people, but I didn't elaborate enough to address the doubt. You understand? It's an issue. And, and this is within a contained situation. Because it's impossible. You're a human being. There's going to be a, a human error. There's a margin of, of mistake that will happen. So the idea of listening to debates is something that you don't involve yourself in. The same thing could be said about reading the books of the people of innovation. You, you don't do that either. Now you reach a certain point where you're able to filter things out. You're able to figure it out. That's a different discussion for another day. But for now you need to protect yourself. So not that many Mu'tazila. Who else do we have? What? Opa! <laughs> I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't planning on this one. Ikhwan uh, al-Muslimin, is, is that, that's now, that's Hizbiyya. Now we're going to enter into the matter of Ahzab. I, I, I want, this is connected to Al-Aqeed al-Wasitiyya. You're not going to find Ikhwan uh, al-Muslimin in the Sharh of Sheikh bin Uthameen, Ahli Rahmatullah. So we will dismiss that discussion. That's a discussion we could have in private, inshallah ta'ala. But for the purpose of the, of the Metin and the Sharh of the Sheikh, we want to stick to the groups that were actually mentioned in the book. So the book does mention Al-Murji'ah. It mentions Al-Rawafid. It mentions Al-Jahmiyyah, it mentions Al-Mu'tazila, it mentions Al-Qadariyyah, it mentions Al-Jabariyyah, and uh, definitely the Ash'a'ira, a big, obviously the, the book is in, in essence a refutation, uh, a refutation about the certain deviance of the Ash'a'ira. Maturidiyyah, well, Maturidiyyah and the Ash'a'ira, they're cousins. They're very related. They have a few things that they, that they differ. Actually, they're big. They're big matters that they differ on, to be honest with you. But nevertheless, they're still categorized. They're categorized as just one of, you know, uh, another, another form of Ash'ariyya, in, in a sense, the Maturidiyya. Uh, no, I, I'm talking about the bigger names. Or did we cover them all? So we can go to the Q&A. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we're entering into the 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 smallest the smaller ones within the major name. No, let's 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 take a step back. All these are going to be sub branches of a main a main group. Yani one sheikh will come with his own uh, uh, exceptions, and then he will have his own hizb uh, uh, or his own firqa uh, or his own tariqa, whatever you want to call it. Ahlul Kalam, they're all basically Ahlul Kalam. More or less, they're all uh, more or less Ahlul Kalam. So, that, so we covered all of them. Wa'idiyya? Aye. Tell us what the Wa'idiyya, who the Wa'idiyya are. Mm, so they're a group of people that only focus on 
Al-Wa'id, you know, because the Quran has, uh, has bisharat, has certain uh, glad tidings, and has wa'id, the warnings of Allah Azza wa Jal and the warning of Jahannam. Of course, we enter into the issue of the people, the Mu'tazila. Did we mention that they believe in uh, this uh, station between the two stations? That's uh, among the thing where you're, you're in terms of the hereafter, they have a hukum for you in the dunya and the hukum for you in the akhirah and about abiding in the hellfire for eternity. Uh, all of these actually are discussed in the book in detail. But I want the main groups, I believe all of them are covered. Let's, let's again, let's repeat them. We have the the first, the Khawarij, then the Qadariya, the Jabariya, the Jahmiya, the Asha'ira, the Murji'a, Al-Mu'tazila, Al-Rafid, 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 that's it. Anybody else from the major? Sheikh? Nawasib? Oh. <laughs> you have to elaborate on this one, Sheikh. The Rawafid. Hey. You have the opposite of the Rawafid. That was mentioned in the book as well. Zakallahu khairan. Tayyip. So now we're going to get into the, the section that I've been looking forward to from day one. Um, and so may Allah Azza wa Jal make it easy. Uh, once again, the, not every question, I'm not, not every question is going to be based on something that you particularly heard in, in those days. Some of these questions are going to require that you do your own little thinking. Yani you're going to have to do a little thinking, extract the answer more or less based on the information that we have covered and based on other information which I expect that you already have in your bank. I, I'm sure you didn't come here with zero knowledge and then the first thing you heard was Al-Aqid Al-Wasitiyah. I'm assuming you have some infrastructure, some foundation upon which you build some of the things that we mentioned. Maybe some of you have actually studied the book from, from cover to cover and know way better than I do. So I, I don't know the levels of, of the people around. طيب. When we speak about Huda, what is Huda and what types of Huda do we have? And what are the evidences from the Quran and the Sunnah? Now, of course, Huda is a sister's name also. <laughs> so, um, we're not speaking about anyone that you know that whose name is Huda. We're talking about the generic word. Tawadal Habibi. You know, they say, it's, a, it's an Arabic expression when if, if you, if, if you want to fix basically the eye, there was a, some, a problem with the eye, you, you came to fix it, you wind up making a blind. But you put your finger in someone's eye, they don't even see anymore. You were like removing something, now they're blind. So you were better off with the first option, trying to correct it with the second one, killed the first one, but either way, we're way off. Uh, no, I want I, no. This answer it should come from someone who hasn't responded thus far. Somebody that has just been sitting in the background looking at me the whole time. No, you you're not someone who's been looking the whole time. You actually moved from the front to the back. Hey, mashallah, zakallah khair, ahsan like tahur, inshallah. Huh? Alu. Yani, you haven't come across the word huda in the Quran and the Sunnah. You say it in the Fatiha every single day, obviously in a different, in a different form of the word. But don't you say Ihdina? Didn't uh, Sheikh Muhammad Tim 
explain to you in the Iqtida Sirat al-Mustaqim. I believe he elaborated on the Fatiha, صح? Anyone? Tfaddala. Huda means guidance type. How many types do we have? Oh, two. Okay. Are we guessing or do we know what we're talking about? I got scared. It's okay. It's good. It's good. Assalamu alaikum. Very good. That's correct. Do you have evidence to substantiate this by any chance? And do you know what the Arabic terms that, that the scholars use for that? Isn't it Irshad? Maybe there's Ishara. I'm, I'm not familiar with it. Irshad. Hidayatul Irshad. Very simple. I can give you a tfaddal. You found the evidence? Yalla hat. What's the counter? This is Hidayatul Irshad. Which is the guidance of direction. Example. Let's always give an example. Whenever you give an example, it will bring the point closer. Everybody has used Google Maps? Time. Google Maps, does it give you Hidayat Irshad or Hidayat Tawfiq? Irshad. Meaning, it will give you the direction to your destination. Can it guarantee you arriving at the destination? I'm a prime example of never ever having the Hidayat Tawfiq in this regard. I have the Irshad, I will get lost eventually, someone will have to pick me up. So Hidayatul Irshad is someone giving you, the, showing you the way. In this regard, Allah said about the Prophet Indeed, you guide to the straight path. Type. If the Prophet guides to the straight path, do we, does, is everybody guided? No. This is where what? Hidayatul Tawfiq comes in. And the evidence the Prophet ﷺ doesn't have Hidayat al-Tawfiq is what, uh, what ayah? إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتُ Somebody can come and say, one ayah Allah said the Prophet ﷺ, وَإِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي إِلَى صِرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ You got to straight path. And another ayah Allah tells the Prophet ﷺ, إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتُ You don't guide those whom you love. However, Allah guides whomever He wills. How do we reconcile between those? This is Hidayatul Irshad and this is Hidayatul Tawfiq. So when someone, and similarly you give da'wah to someone, you cannot guarantee that they will accept this da'wah. You could be advising someone your entire life and your entire life they will reject. Until you've done your hidayatul irshad. Until hidayatul tawfiq, which is success. Tawfiq is success. وَمَا تَوْفِيقِ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ My success is none but from Allah. This is beyond human beings. This is very related to what though? It's related to our Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah. Because some people who call on other than Allah actually believe that Hidayat al-Tawfiq is in the hands of their intercessors. Is in the hands of those people they call on besides Allah. When surely nobody can give you Hidayah except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is from the khasais or from, this, from, the, from the characteristics or the special matters that are special and restricted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tayyib. What is the meaning of 
the shahada and what are the arkan of the shahada and what are the shurut the conditions of the shahada we want to dissect the statement of la ilaha illallah english first of all what is it in english because when you translate it to english you can either translate verbatim which will not do the job or you could translate the intended meaning which is a, a must and necessary there's no god worthy of worship except allah that's your preferred translation for la ilaha illallah what it's not literal what do you mean so you're just giving me symbolic language Uh, okay, so so you you you're avoiding you're avoiding the literal word per word word for word translation, which really translates into La ilaha illallah. There is no god but Allah. The the actual translation is La ilaha. There's negation. Uh, well, first, we didn't give the arkan, but let's begin with that. There is no god but Allah. What is what is the problem with this translation? Ah, what's the evidence that there are other aliha in the Quran? Mm, trouble. Huh? What else? Surah uh, Al-Furqan. Let's make it easy. Let's think of ayat that are, as we said in the beginning, for Samim, an ayah that is straight. What takhadu? من دونه آلهة لا يخلقون شيئا وهم يخلقون ولا يملكون لأنفسهم ضرا ولا نفع ولا يملكون موتا ولا حياة ولا نشورا one of the most powerful ayat in the book of Allah and they have taken besides Allah آلهة Allah called them آلهة gods <laughs> What is the description of these gods? It's like it, the, the speech is so powerful and there's so much belittlement to these idols and these uh, gods of the disbelievers. It's amazing. You know, in, 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 in the, when you speak Arabic, you have not done anything. It's to negate even the tiny, the tiniest thing that even is being dismissed. And they don't create anything. They're completely incapable, not even a mosquito, not even a fly, as we know from the other ayat. Even if they came together to create dhubab, they will not be able to do so. These false deities of yours are so incapable that besides the fact that they can't create anything, they themselves are created. Allah created them. Either they're made from clay, Allah created the clay they're made from, or they're made from whatever substance that they use, it's from the creation of Allah. And they're made by human beings, and the actions of the human beings, the af'al of the human beings are created by Allah, or they're not created by Allah. What's the evidence? كتاب الله يا أخي بالله عليك لا تديني هذه الأجوبة من المريخ. The evidence is كتاب الله. Yeah, I know. Where in the كتاب الله does it say that your actions are created? ها؟ لا بعيد مرة بعيد. 
أيوة أي سورة سورة الصافات you don't know the discussion with Ibrahim عليه السلام with his people when he when he was criticized in the آلهة at some point the ayah says والله خلقكم وما تعملون الله created you and that what you do this is an evidence that the scholars use that your deeds are created by Allah your أفعال and your عمل is created by Allah عز وجل so we, that's, that's how you answer. Don't tell me it's in the book of Allah. You might as well tell me it's in Islam. Right? It's going to be like very valuable information. How did we get here? Exactly. So, وَهُمْ يُخْلَقُونَ They are created. Themselves are created. And even if the people made them, they, it's the creation of Allah. وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ لِأَنفُسِهِمْ ضَرًّا وَلَا نَفْعًا And then, not only that, this is a continuation of their status. They do not possess for themselves any harm or any benefit. So those false deities are so incapable that they cannot even protect themselves. They cannot even deflect harm from uh, happening to them. And we mentioned the other day, you know, these idols that wind up falling and breaking and whatever. And if they're the gods, then it cannot be the case. And they have no possession, no control, no involvement in death, life and resurrection. So Allah confirmed the existence of God. Then of course we have another ayah. ذلك بأن الله هو الحق وأن ما يدعون من دونه الباطل. That is because Allah is the ultimate. I think it's the Surah Al-Hajj. Allah Azza wa Jal is Al-Haq, and everything that they call on besides Him is Al-Batil, is the false gods. So from this we understand that there are other aliha. Allah confirmed the existence of the aliha in the Quran, but Allah told us that all of these aliha are. Batil, they're all false gods, and that the only ma'bud bihaq is Allah, the one who's worthy of worship alone is Allah. Type La ilaha illallah is, is uh, divided into two, two parts. We have to be quick. Uh. Negation, affirmation. You're ne negating. Naam, I'm with you. So if someone, if someone were to say um, the atheists are the closest, closest people to Islam because they already believe in la ilaha. <laughs> Does that sound like a, a sound statement of any, of any sort? They said, you know, that the atheists are close. He already has la ilaha. He already denied any ilaha. Now all you have to do is prove illallah. كلام كلام ما ما ينفع كلام غير صحيح وغير دقيق وغير مطابق للواقع أساسا. On the contrary, the closest person you can give da'wah to generally is a Christian. A Christian is the easiest target for a Muslim, and I think the biggest number of reverts that come to Islam is from Christianity. Maybe followed by Hinduism, maybe followed by atheists are actually very difficult individuals to deal with. Uh, the only atheist that will come to Islam is one who really wasn't really atheist full-fledged. He was just confused and he thought this was a trend in school. It's like everybody else here, yeah, like you need to bring me evidence. Then when you actually reason with him, he got out of that nonsense. But if it's a hardcore atheist whose objective in life is to reject Allah, you will find it almost mission impossible إلا من رحم الله to give him da'wah. Because you, can, you, because you reach a point with them. And I remember I had the discussion. I was in, uh, back in uh, Jeddah. Some family contacted me. They said, uh, we have a, a son. His name is Muhammad. He went to some other foreign country and he got exposed to all kinds of nonsense. And uh, now he has, you know, he has issues with Islam. Can you sit down and give him da'wah? So, khair, inshallah. I'll try my best. I sat down with this guy, man. It was the strangest conversation I've ever had in my life, right? I, we can't, we couldn't agree on anything. At the end, 
at the end, after I exerted all the knowledge that I have and all the effort and all the energy, I came to the conclusion that he couldn't prove anything. Uh, he couldn't prove uh, that Allah is not the creator of the heavens and the earth. So in simple terms, he said, I said, so then who created? He said, I don't know, but it's not Allah. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is, I don't know, and it doesn't matter, but it's not Allah. Yani, the idea is, I want to reject. I want to reject at any cost. I don't have an answer. No satisfactory answer. No scientific answer. No uh, spiritual answer. No answer. The bottom line is that I don't want to believe in a God. Type. So these are the two arkan. Tab, what about the shurut of uh, la ilaha illallah? What are the shurut or the conditions? And are they important? Can you, can you, uh, can you afford to ignore a couple of them and you still be all right no do you know the shurud because if if any one of you said no right now and you don't know shurud it's a musiba because technically you're saying that even your own shahada could be at stake huh do you know the shurud of la ilaha illallah tfaddal you only one one student today tfaddal ya sheikh you'll give two jazakallah khair sadaqa eh hat Evidence. Hey, fa'alam annahu la ilaha. Command from Allah to know. La ilaha illallah. Wastaghfir li dhambik. Walil mu'minin al-mu'minat. So you, after, so it's called say, after you know, then you seek forgiveness. Allah put the ilm before al-qawl al-amal as we all know. Tamam. So al-ilm which is opposed by jahl, ignorance. Next. Ikhlas. Evidence. وَمَا أُمِرُوا وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ تمام This is which surah? Zumar I believe بينا There's more than one تمام إزاك الله خير أحسنت يلا يا كابتن اليقين اليقين What is يقين يقين ولا يكين يقين يقين With a قاف قاف or كاف Don't be scared If you have a position stick to it يقين Good طيب What is يقين أيوة You know the evidence? Hey, mashallah alaik. Indeed, very the believers are those who believe in Allah and His Messenger. Thumma then lam yartabu. Raib. You know the other ayah? Thalika al-kitabu la raiba fi. We say raib is doubt, speculation. So there's no speculation. Being skeptical about Islam is not, a, is not a praiseworthy thing. Tamam. Yaqeen. Which is opposed by shak. More. Next. Fainak ya mhandis. Nus naim al yawmant. Sah sah yalla. Mahabba. Love. Are you the same guy with love? La ya akhi. La ya akhi. This is the. This is. With, are you married? Inshallah. <laughs> Inshallah you'll get married soon. You have a lot of love in your life. The brother's been consistent from the beginning of the dawah until now. Somehow, somewhere, his answers have to do with love. How do you manage? I, even if you, even if he did this on purpose, it wouldn't work. Tayyib, mahabba. What's the evidence? La adri jayid, la bas. Hey, wa min al nasi ma yatakhidu min dun Allahi andad an yuhibunahum kahubbil wa aladina amanu. And those who believe. 
are more are more uh, ashad is يعني, from from shidda from strength from being more they have more love for Allah Azza wa Jal Ahsant next Al Qabul لا القبول نو نو وذا القبول قبول just say قبول because if you add the شدة on the back you change the meaning okay. by the way this close to قبلة uh, which means a kiss yeah so we don't want to go there قبول <laughs> is uh, I remember when <laughs> that's another thing that I always like to include uh, nonsensical stories just to make the class more sensical I guess uh, in 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 uh, the kingdom, when when a store is being put up for for sale, or if you want to like uh, lease it or something like that, they write on it al mahal lil right? And so if if you don't know, you will think that it's basically the translation is this store is for kissing. And you say what 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 is that for? Turns out that I found out later that this is a, a form of you basically renting out the place and using it for your own good. It's important to know those nuances, <laughs> otherwise you end up in trouble. So you didn't give me an evidence? Kabul. <coughs> no evidence? Anyone else? The awkward silence? Can you say Raditu Billahi Rabban Ubil Islam Dina Muhammadin Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Nabiya? Would that work as an acceptance? Or is there something else? No? What is that? You're not satisfied with the answer or you or you can't? Tayyib, what else? In Qiyad? What is what does that translate to? Submission? Can we say also compliance? That you have an evidence? There are many evidences, Yaqwan. There are many evidences that bring about those particular concepts. What could be for inqiyad? Go ahead, Habibi. That would be for which one? Inqiyad? Uh, no. We could say, وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَةُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ It is not for a believing man or believing woman after Allah's Messenger have de decreed or have decided upon a matter that you will have any choice regarding that. Anyways, that concludes it. I just realized that I went two minutes beyond the, the, the break time. So let's, let's take the break and then we will continue after, inshallah. Tamam? Uh, there's breakfast, yeah, Sheikh? Huh. So, w what time uh, would we resume? Uh, quarter. quarter two. Give da'wah, you've been given da'wah your whole life. <coughs> but when it comes to the matter of takfir or the rulers, you hold on, you hold to a certain position that you believe is, is from the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And those same people that might have appreciated your da'wah all these years, immediately 
will turn against you and call you and they will call you all kinds of names including excommunicate you from Islam. They will take you outside the folds of Islam because of a disagreement with them on this particular issue. And so and today you have to be very careful of the uh, Ahmed Musa Jibril clan of individuals who are the embodiment of this uh, uh, manhaj and this approach where they have declared governments and people kuffar already. It's a done deal. It's sealed. And if you don't agree with them, then you're basically barely a Muslim, if a Muslim at all. You go from being barely a Muslim to not even being a Muslim at all. Whereas we know that in the Quran, Allah Azza wa Jal, what does Allah tells us? What does Allah tells us? They're saying no audio. Is it fixed? Okay, it's working. What does Allah tells us in the Quran? Inna Allah ya'muru bil'adl. Verily Allah commands that you be just. Even if it's against, another ayat, even if it's against yourself. Allah commands that you speak the truth and you're just even with your opponents and your enemies. Even with your opponents and your enemies, the fact that they are deviant does not allow you to transgress in areas where they are not deviant. And it does not allow you to lie against them or to uh, invent uh, things that they have not said. But the da'wah seed today is actually in to is, is very toxic and very much contaminated with this kind of behavior. Once a person is uh, uh, warned against, the people will actually invent, come up with things, add things, exaggerate things, uh, slander, it, and it's all in their mind halal. It's all in their mind halal, uh, uh, as long as, according to them, you have uh, gone off the track. Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah, even with the khasm, even with the opponent, even with the ahl uh, al-dalal, wal zayigh, we still seek the pleasure of Allah in our jarh and ta'deel. In the criticism and the praise, just like the science of hadith, even with those individuals, we maintain justice. It doesn't mean that we have to praise everyone before we criticize them if they have some good. No, sometimes you just go full-fledged criticism. But we do not add or spice things up because they are deviant. You cannot add things that don't exist in someone. You cannot attribute to them something they have not said. And you cannot base your belief on tabloids and newspapers and magazines. And, and a magazine authors an article about someone. خلاص, this is a hujjah. This is a hujjah against them as though it was revealed by Allah. You don't even know who authored this. And Allah tells us in the Quran, what happens if a fasa comes to us? You need to verify. Lest you, lest you wind up, oppress people out of ignorance and then you will become regretful over that. And so the, the source of news today is generally from Fusaq. It's from defiantly disobedient people. They're not reliable. They're not Muslims or they're even Muslims. So you cannot take this information as being sound and reliable. So this uh, new wave of takfir that is happening today, especially because of the Palestinian 
conflict and the Palestinian conflict, I don't mean it as in, you know, the, the conflict between uh, the Zionist state and, and Palestine. I mean the conflict meaning for the Ummah. It's a conflict because it's divided the Ummah into people that are absolutely outlandishly, uh, uh, outrageously oppressive and people that are reasonable and in line with the revelation of the Quran and the Sunnah. They put things in their proper order. It has really uh, exposed everybody. The irony is they believe on the flip side, they believe that those who are uh, not doing what they're doing are being exposed. But our yardstick of assessment is the Quran and the Sunnah. At the end of the day, is your behavior substantiated by evidence from the Quran and the Sunnah or not? The only people that are in line with the Quran and the Sunnah is, are the people that are communica communicating the message that we are communicating in this regard. It's a it's a fitna. It's a sad state. Nobody in his right mind will support the Zionists or will stand with them or will, it will be against the genocide of the Muslims or the killing of the Muslims. On the contrary, it's because, it's because we care so much and we love the Muslims so much and we value the blood of Muslims so much that we actually have a problem with the way it's, it's taking place. And we have a problem with the instigation that is leading to this kind of massacre. The people think that the death of the Muslims is, is justifiable in order to reach the higher goal because they have a misconception about everything related to the issue. This could be a lecture in and of its own, but I just wanted to highlight quickly some of those problems. Please do not be swayed by the propaganda and do not be fooled by the hype. Those matters you need to ask the, the mashayikh and the tulab al-ilm and the people that will connect you with the mashayikh to understand them. You see the behavior of the scholars is completely different than the behavior of the layman. And that's why when the fitna comes, everybody receives it. Everybody receives the fitna that when it goes away, then you, then you understand who, 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 got, who got basically swept by the flood of the fitna and who held his ground. The scholars always hold their ground from the, any fitna that comes along. The, 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 that are, the scholars that are grounded in knowledge. They know when to speak and how to speak about it and what to say. And you will never find their speech to be in line with the layman. The layman are just raging emotions. Raging emotions. Everybody's speaking from emotions. Look, back in my day, when I wasn't even practicing any Islam. And I'm, the ruling on music is known. Tamam? Back then, we did not practice Islam in my house. There's a very famous song um, that, is, that, is, that is a result of the Palestinian uh, issue called Wain al-Malayin. Where are the millions? It's a revolutionary military song where the video is a compilation of all these Palestinians being beat and uh, abused by the Zionists. A little ch child, they turn his arm and break it. Yeah, and he thinks that, that that will drive you insane. I have no connection with Islam whatsoever, but I could swear by Allah, even as an eight, nine-year-old kid, every time I would see that video, and listen to the song, I would lose my mind. I felt I'm ready to go down in the street and 
take a taxi to Palestine and, and liberate Palestine myself. In terms of feelings, I feel that anything is justified. Like my mind is telling me if anything is justified because the song and the video clip will mess with your brain. <clears throat> That's a lesson learned from then. What emotions can do to you. 80% of the people in prison are in prison because of emotions. Because they did something in the state of emotional instability. Got into an accident, got upset with the guy who hit his car, went down, beat him, punched him, killed him, stabbed him. <clears throat> some guy killed his wife, some guy killed his neighbor. 80% of the crimes are not really calculated where the guys are sitting there sipping on coffee and tea and thinking about the movie's not a serial killer. <clears throat> Those people are acting on emotions. Parents wind up beating the crap out of their kids who are only maybe seven, eight years old. Uh, you know, during the time the, the, the beating is happening, the parent is not in his right mind. Talk to them afterwards. They will cry for two days because they beat a child a little bit more aggressively than they, they should have from their perspective shouldn't beat the kids in the first place i'm just saying in their in their standard of beating they might want to just hurt the child a little bit but during the moment of anger the child broke something did something the parent himself who's the most compassionate towards the child will lose his composure and do something that he himself will regret five minutes later and wish he had never done anything in the first place wish he had dealt with it you know in a calm and collected way and so on and so forth the, the point i'm trying to make is emotional this uh, emotional instability leads to the worst decisions ever and because you're constantly being shown the uh, atrocities of the palestinians you're you're naturally starting to react in an emotional way where even the quran and the sunnah are put aside some people explicitly say, look, this is not time for this. Give me an evidence. We have a much bigger issue to deal with. What bigger issue to deal with? This is an Islamic issue in the first place. You're a Muslim. Islam is not only in the masjid and as soon as you exit the masjid, it stops. Islam governs your entire life. So you still have to be governed by Islam in terms of how to deal with the subject matter. And therefore, if you don't know, then the safest thing is don't say a thing. Don't say a thing. Don't, don't have a position. Don't you dare go and uh, uh, criticize and violate Muslims because of a stance that you hold and that stance that you hold is based on your emotional reaction to the condition of the Muslims in Palestine. Because the matter is a matter of aqidah. It's a matter of deen. It's a matter of politics. And politics is a very, very complicated matter. You know, just have any meeting. We were having a meeting the other day. We were just trying to figure out a schedule. Just a very simple schedule of where, you know, where a talk can be given. And it's like five, six people putting the, you know, this and that and making phone calls. And I was thinking, subhanAllah, something so simple. And it requires all this, all this effort, all this thinking, all this involvement, all this assessment, uh, checking, double checking, cross checking, just for a very simple matter. What about politics and governments and, and matters that are far beyond what we knew and understand? We're not even in that position. Allah did not make us people in charge or politicians in the first place. Yet everybody wants to comment on every politician as though he's, he's, he is the politician. Ya akhi, you don't know what you're talking about. It is not a video game. It is not a video game where you, you, know, you get all the Muslim countries say, Yallah, go attack. 
and then they go attack, then they eradicate the Zionists, and then we all, hey, what do you think this is, ya Habibi? It's not a video game. There's a lot more to the situation. And it's not going to be dealt with in this manner. There's something called Al-Nasr. The victory comes strictly from Allah. If you aid Allah, Allah will aid you. Allah will give you, keep your feet firm. There's a process for us to attain the victory that we are anticipating and looking forward to. There's a process for it. We're not doing the process. So be careful of that bunch online that will try to poison you with their, with their thinking. Be, do not let your emotions drive you. And do not make your decisions based on emotions. Always refer to the matter of the Quran and Sunnah no matter how much you're emotionally outraged by what's happening. Because it is not going to solve the problem, it's only going to make it worse. Tayyip, one of the shurut uh, that we didn't cover is, we did al-mahabba, there's one more that we didn't do. Which one? Al-Sidq. Tayyip, what's the evidence? Can we also use the ayah Oh you have believed Fear Allah and be among the As-Sadiqeen So that covers the Pillars of The shurut of La ilaha illallah Now those shurut Just so we could Summarize it Or sum it up Those shurut Have to be present And available For your shahada to be the fulfilling shahada. The shahada that will allow you to stand before Allah Azza wa Jal and be guaranteed either immediate access to paradise or eventual access to paradise. You cannot mess with any of these conditions of the shahada. You cannot afford to mess with any of the conditions of the shahada. And it's not about just memorizing them, which is great. Memorizing that, you know, they are, they are, these are the shurud Because these are all based on istanbat From the scholars The scholars basically deduce them from the Quran and Sunnah What's more important is to embody them in our lives It's not that I memorize about sidq It's that I actually have sidq in my la ilaha illallah It's not about the knowing about inqiyad It's actually fulfilling the inqiyad And so on and so forth Of course with the margin of sinfulness That we will all have in our lives Tayyip um, <coughs> The the three categories of Tawheed are what? You jump till the end? You want to start from the end or you want to start from the beginning? Let's, let's, let's begin with the same. It's correct. Don't be disheartened. But give me the first one first. <laughs> You're consistent, huh? That's the second time. You don't want to give it. So, what was it? The first one? La, ya Sheikh. That's the last one. Yeah, I mean, not the first one you answered. The first one that is correct. Uluhiya. Okay, good. Wrong answer still. The third one, which, they, unless you come up with the fourth one, or you're going to tell me, Hakimiya, or you're going to go to another thing. The first one is Harf al Ra. Yes, Zakal Akhir. So, let's, let's rearrange the order. The, the order is Rububiya. Uluhiyya and Asma'an Sifat. Rububiyya from Rabb, Uluhiyya from Ilah, and Asma'an Sifat from, obviously, Asma'an Sifat. Tayyip, what is Tawheed al-Rububiyya? What are the three traits 
I mentioned that in the Dawra. What are the three uh, uh, traits that are considered to be the main traits under Rububiyyah? When we say Allah is Ar-Rabb, there are three things that the scholars mentioned, particularly even though there's a lot more involved. Don't make it into a sentence. It's given to me independently, individually. Al-Malik or Al-Mulk? The first one, Al-Khalq or Al-Khaliq. Allah is the creator and the creation, obviously. The creation, the concept of creation. And then Al-Mulk from sovereignty. We use the word sovereignty or dominion, meaning Allah belongs everything. Allah owns everything and everyone. And Tadbir, tadbir, the arranging of the affairs of the creation, meaning Allah, you know, yarfa'u uh, yasha, Allah raises whomever He wills, He He degrades whomever He wills. Allah brings the dead from the life and the life from the dead, and Allah sends down the rain and sends down the rizq and everything that's happening. Everybody's heartbeat, everybody's blood circulation, everybody's uh, inhaling and exhaling. All of this is actually done. Under the command of Allah Azza wa Jal. Nothing is happening independent of Allah. And now you can imagine the level of how, many of the, how many of the creation of Allah do we have. All of them are being maintained simultaneously. Subhanallah. From the Azam of Allah Azza wa Jal. Naam, tfaddal. At-tadbir. Tadbir is to arrange the affairs. Yudabbirul amr. If you come across, you find it in the Quran. Yudabbirul amr. Is to arrange the affair. تمام طيب دارس توحيد الربوبية هو believes in توحيد الربوبية هو believes in توحيد الربوبية today the what I'm sorry the Quraysh affirmed توحيد الربوبية what was the evidence we cited earlier إنهم كانوا إذا قيل لهم لا إله إلا الله no that's not the one ولو سأل ولا ولا إن سألتهم من خلق السماوات والأرض if you, if you ask them who created the heavens and the earth, they will say Allah. So they acknowledged the rububiyyah of Allah Azza wa Did that lead them to worship Allah alone? No, this is where Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah comes. But okay, the Jews and the Christians today and the Hindus and the Buddhists, do they believe in Tawheed al-Rububiyyah? So no, yes. Okay, so they believe in rububiyyah, but is their belief in rububiyyah sound? That's what, that's why, because when we speak about the, the Yahud, we said they said, Yadullahi maghlula, صح? And they said that Allah Azza wa Jal, they said things about Allah, إن الله فقيرون ونحن أغنياء. They say certain things that actually even mess with the very concept of rububiyyah. So overall, they believe in rububiyyah, but even within that, their, their belief is not sound. Just like they're within the other elements of, of uh, Tawheed, they are... Some people that believe in it, but it's not sound. So some of them actually could be disbelievers altogether in the entire in the entire thing. طيب next توحيد ال we insist on asma and sifat and skipping the uluhiya before we jump into asma and sifat, which is the last and the most the most technical one. It's uluhiya. The uluhiya is most relevant to all these Muslims that are worshiping. Dead people. This is where now we have a major conflict within subscribers to Islam uh, whose subscription to Islam 
may become questionable or is questionable because some of them outright do not apply any of the Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah. Their belief in Allah being a Rabb did not translate into worshipping Him alone. And the whole idea and the, the, the Ruknayn that we just covered of the Shahada, Shahada, there's no deity worthy of worship except Allah. This is why we use that translation to denote the meaning of Uluhiyyah. Because if, if you worship Allah and you worship something along with Allah, are you fulfilling Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah? It's just a very important matter. Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah is not that you outright reject worshiping Allah. No, you actually worship Allah and worship others with Him. That's also a shirk in Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah. That's also a kufr in Allah Azza wa Jal. And we have many evidences to this effect. One of them is the hadith. Al-Hadith Al-Qudsi, where Allah says, الشرك, I am the most self-sufficient of having partners. So whoever does a deed therein associating others with me, وشركه, I will abandon him and his association altogether. Allah does not approve or does not accept that you worship him and you worship something along with him. And this also falls into the matter of sincerity. That you don't do the deed for the sake of Allah and for the sake of the praise of the people. The deed has to be strictly for the sake of Allah. It's a very technical issue when it comes to your ikhlas. Ikhlas is one of the most crucial matters to always, as students of knowledge, I'm trying to be one at least, to remind ourselves about the importance of ikhlas. Don't get swayed by the hype of the, the position or the status and then your, the shaitan will interfere with your niyyah and then you're, you've basically wasted your life and your good deeds and everything for, for nothing. And the shaitan, believe me, will make all the effort that he can to interfere with your ikhlas. So always keep your ikhlas in check. Always keep it in check. Always remind yourselves that whatever the people will say right now, on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, no one is going to care about you. Only Allah. Only Allah decides where you go, whether you end up in Jannah or Jahannam, whether your deeds will be accepted or not. All these people, they can hype you up and praise you and clap for you. On Yawm Al-Qiyamah, these are the same people that will say, I don't I have nothing to do with you. Nafsi, nafsi, myself, myself. Yawma ya'addu al-zalimu ala yadayhi yaqulu ya laytani attakhathu ma'al rasooli sabila ya waylata laytani lam attakhath fulanan Khalila, ma, khalas, on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, you only wish you followed the Sunnah. This guy and that friend and these people, nobody will benefit you, nobody will matter. So you do things for the sake of the people, nobody's going to compensate you for you. Only Allah can compensate you for your deeds. You did them for the wrong entity, you're going to end up empty-handed. It's a big loss. It's an absolutely, it's like investing money. It's like investing money with someone that, that doesn't have even a business in their name. So you just go to his house and say, listen man, there's a million pounds okay, to invest into your business and I hope I'll yield some, some good return on my investment. And he's like, all right, great. And then you leave and then he just goes, spends the million pounds. You come back and say, what happens? I don't have a business in the first place. Why did you give me the money? I don't have anything going on. He just gave me the money. Thank you so much. I spent it all. Hey, my, this is the, my lifetime savings. Let's have a conversation. Yalla, ruhamshi. Ruhamshi, this is the door. Yalla, ruh. Who told you that I have a business in the first place? You came here with a million dollars and you have dollars, pounds, whatever. And you came over here. Ma, ma, it's like, this is, uh, this is ludicrous. 
This is the condition of the people that do the deeds for the sake of the people and then they didn't get the reward from Allah. What is the benefit? What is the point? So Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah means that you're only going to call on Allah Azza wa Jal. This, is, by the way, is covered in the, in the Sharh of Shaykh ibn Uthameen extensively. The, 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 the idea of the disbelievers of, of, in general back then and the disbelievers today, the differences between them and calling on other than Allah Azza wa Jal and their excuse that هَؤُلَاءِ شُفَعَاوْنَا عَنْدَ اللَّهِ These are our intercessors with Allah. مَا نَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَ We only call on them so they can get us closer to Allah and so on and so forth. So for your tawheed to be sound, you don't call on anyone but Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah says in the Quran, اُدْعُونِي وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ اُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ Call on me, I will reply, to, I will respond to you. وَأَنَّ الْمَسَاجِدَ لِلَّهِ فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا Subhanallah. That the, the masajid, all the places of prostration, all the places of worship belong to Allah. So it's not just a masjid because somebody would want to be funny say, okay, in the masjid, I only call on Allah. Outside the masjid, it's all good. Because the ayah says, وَأَنَّ الْمَسَاجِدَ لِلَّهِ Do not call on anyone but Allah. <coughs> What's the last ayah of Surah Al-Kahf? فَمَا كَانَ يَرْجُ لِقَاءَ رَبِّي فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا يُشْرِكُ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا Ya Akhwan, it's all over the Qur'an. That's why if you read the Qur'an, you, can, you cannot possibly end up a mushrik calling on Abdul Qadir al-Jilani. There's no way on earth you can end up with this unless there's a alim su' a scholar of wickedness and evil that is going to mess with your aqidah and take you away from the clear teachers of the Quran and Sunnah and try to bring you something to divert you from the path of Tawheed. Otherwise, the matter of Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah is clear-cut, explicit. The entire Quran is calling you to worship Allah alone and never call on anyone but Allah. And the last one is Tawheed al-Asma' wa-Sifat, which is what we have covered in these last few days. That should be already evident. But this is where we have a lot of controversy, as in we have all these sects, within Islam that don't agree on the orthodox belief of the Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah in regards to the summary. Who can give me? Who can repeat it in Arabic? نؤمن بما وصف الله به Continue. We believe in what Allah described Himself with. وصفه به رسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم من غير my <laughs> khalif we can re we can re reorganize them and rearrange them let's let's enumerate all man ghayri tahrif wala ta'til wala tamthil wala takif and sometimes tamthil and tashbih are both used sometimes they use both sometimes they use them interchangeably because they they have some similarities really type I didn't mention tafweed at all. Uh, because tafweed is a little technical and it, it is in the major sharh, but yes, we should elaborate uh, slightly on tafweed. So what is tafweed? Al-Mufawwida is a group that thought they could outsmart uh, both the Ashaira and Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah. <clears throat> in a sense that they said, look, because, because I'm going to leave the meaning of these attributes to Allah. Not the, not the modality. The meaning itself, they say, I don't know what it means. This I leave with Allah. And they thought by doing so, they are saving themselves from falling into the tashbih 
of uh, the mushabbiha and from the ta'til of the mu'attila. The response to this approach to the deen is that by doing tafweed, you are in essence claiming that the Quran and the Sunnah are ambiguous and that there are no meanings behind them. When you say that I don't affirm the meaning, I don't affirm the meaning, I only affirm the text, but the meaning I leave to Allah, then according to you, they are they're, they're void of, of substance. The ayat and the ahadith are void of substance. So you're alleging that the Quran is not mubin and the Quran is not hudan and the Quran doesn't have the traits and the characteristics that Allah described, described it with. Further, you don't have anyone from the salaf, from the sahaba and the tabi'een who will support you in this position of yours. They didn't deal with those matters. For you to say that tafweed, you have to bring in evidence that I say I don't affirm, uh, I affirm the love, but I don't affirm the meaning. No, we say Allah Azza wa Jal has a hand. Oh, Allah has hands, two hands. According to the Quran and the Sunnah, Allah has two hands with explicit ayat in the Quran and the Sunnah. The meaning of a hand, we know. What we don't know is the modality and the likeness because there's nothing like Allah. So we affirm the meaning and we hold back on the takif of this particular uh, trait. But we don't deny. They say, we don't know what hand means. We don't affirm the meaning of hand. Then you're denying. You are actually doing ta'til and you're rejecting the Quran and the Sunnah. Tamam. Tfadl Habibi. Ma fi sheikh. Where is sheikh? Aywa. Tfadl. Oh. Hey. MashaAllah. Type. First and foremost, the, when you deal with those people, there's always a counter argument that you could present to them. So um, when you deal with tablighi jama'at and those people that are, that, that when it comes to this matter, they become sensitive. And uh, yeah, so the question was the Barelvis, they say that the uh, tawheed, this taqseem or this division of tawheed into rububiyya, uluhiyya, asma'an sifat was introduced by Sheikh Rasam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah. <clears throat> and that there's no predecessor for him in this regard. So basically, they're, they're stuck on semantics. Right? Their issue is semantics, and these, that these uh, uh, titles or these names or these categorizations are not substantiated to the Quran and the Sunnah. The default, the default state, because there are things, surely, that the scholars had to articulate that, once, that were not needed at some point in time. So that's a generic answer, whether to this particular issue or any other issue. The first thing is you say, yeah, no doubt. I don't deny that there are certain things that are uh, from, for, for you to reach the ghaya. These are from the wasail that are required and needed to attain the ultimate goal of sharing knowledge and, and, and teaching the people and uh, authoring books. Similarly, authoring books altogether was something that was not uh, done, if you want to put it this way. But usually these people like tabligh jama'at, right? How many things have they introduced into their uh, uh, code of conduct that are not from the Quran and the Sunnah, that don't have any evidence from the Quran and the Sunnah in the way in, in which they do it, the three days and the 40 days and the three months and 30 years. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, but if they have a 300 years target because you know, Al-Khadr, according to them, is still alive, according to some of them at least. So you know, they, they have all kinds of uh, beliefs. 
all of these you could say where are where where is this why are you looking at our supposedly our uh, bid'ah uh, according to you in coming up with these terms and you're you're completely fine with all these other things that you are doing so if they're fair and just they will they will acknowledge that second of all <coughs> the idea of the division of the aqsam uh, al-tawheed the reality of the situation is all that is happening is you're giving a title to a collection of evidences from the Quran and the Sunnah. This is like any book, like Imam Bukhari or Imam Muslim, they have bab this or bab that. Uh, this is the, the, the chapter that deals with these particular issues where they compile all the evidences that are related to this particular chapter, to this particular topic. So why do they acknowledge and approve this, the, the kutub of hadith that are there and they want to now have a problem with that? Thirdly, we say there are definitely things that back then were not even required because there was no deviance that necessitated this kind of categorization. This categorization, the authoring of the book of Kitab al-Tawheed, Kashf al-Shubuhat, Al-Usul al-Thalatha, wa wa wa, all these are actually as a result of the deviance that manifested in the Ummah. And in order to counter those innovations, then the scholars had to come up, by the way, a lot of the issues, a lot of the terminology that we use in the Quran and the Sunnah today, in the, in the books of Aqidah, the Salaf really didn't even have to delve into them because there was no Mubtadi'ah who were speaking about Allah in this philosophical sense. So there was no need for them to confirm, for example, the, the, uh, what is known as A'da' and Jism. When we say that Allah has hands, and they say this is Jariha'u, uh, Majariha'u, there are certain terms that the Salaf did not actually have to use. But they're forced to use now in the context of refuting the people of innovation. So this is, this is something that is extremely normal and is extremely expe expected in, in an effort to preserve the teachings of the deen. Plus, what is the issue? Let's say, let's say hypothetically that they, they came up with these names. Can they deny the, 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 the essence of it? Can they deny that there are ayat that speak about the rububiyah of Allah? And there are ayat that speak about the uluhiyyah and that you should worship Allah alone and that you should uh, believe in Asma and Sifat. Tell me, akhi, reject. Don't, okay. Don't call it rububiyyah, uluhiyyah, and Asma and Sifat, but by Allah, live up to it. By Allah, believe in the Quran and the Sunnah according to the understanding of the Sahaba and the Tabi'een, Atba'a Tabi'een, and I'll give you a military salutation every time I see you. And don't call it rububiyyah, uluhiyyah, Asma and Sifat. But the, the reality is, this is not their issue. Their issue is not. Their issue now is now that they want to reject. This is their stance. They want to now sit there, pick and choose and find loopholes in what you believe in order to justify their deviance. The same way a person uh, chooses to be an atheist after he was once a Muslim because he wants to continue sinning without guilt. He, he, he's a disobedient Muslim. As a Muslim, you have a conscience, you have damir, you have a nafs al-lawama. That's constantly reminding you that what you're doing is wrong. How do you overcome for a di completely disobedient Muslim? How does he overcome this guilt trip? As they say, he decides to reject Islam altogether. And then he has a party. Now it justifies the guilt that is going to be there. So some people are already bent <clears throat> on misguidance and then they will find justifications for it. I'm sure there could be a better answer uh, by the Sheikh, inshallah, he will, the Sheikh Adhaifa will give you something more uh, uh, intense and condensed. But this is just overall. Now, um, uh, 
Naam. If you invite me, if you send me an invitation, and I'm not suggesting that you do so, <laughs> but if you send me an invitation and I accept it, that's, that's one level. Now that I've accepted it, for me to actually comply with all the elements of your invitation is, is, an, is another level. So first I accept, and then you tell me, but when you come to my house, you have to take off your shoes at the outside, and you cannot, uh, you know, you cannot yawn in my house, and you have to wear an umbrella, or you have to put an umbrella. Let's say you come up with some outlandish. This is inqiyad. I might not have an inqiyad. I've accepted your invitation, but now this is this this requires more, more uh, effort on my part to be consistent and to comply and conform to your uh, request. Beautiful. Type. <clears throat> Now, hey. Now, yeah, they can argue, but there's the the idea of that Allah Azza wa Jal revealed the Quran. منه آيات محكمات هن أم الكتاب وأخر متشابهات فأما الذين بيتش فأما الذين في قلوبهم زيغ فيتبعون ما تشابه منه تغاء الفتنة وابتغاء تأويله وما يعلم تأويله إلا الله والراسخون في العلم until the end of the آيات the the difference between these two is that when Allah said is the Quran is مبين that that is the the grand title that includes the mutashabih within it. Meaning that Allah Azza wa Jalla told you that the Quran has ayat mutashabihat. That will be the main preference for the people of deviance. The one who told you there is mutashabih is the same one who told you that this Quran is mubin. So the mutashabih will still fall under the mubin. How do you identify them? When the people will leave alone the muhkam, the ayah that is entirely clear, and they will fetch for something that is ambiguous. So it's actually a refutation against them. It's an exposition of their deviance where they are selectively choosing the ayat that are mutashabih and ignoring the muhkam. Every mutashabih in the Quran has a muhkam that you refer to that will eliminate the shubha. Every mutashabih in the Quran will have a muhkam in the Quran that will eliminate the shubha. Who knows this? Al-rasikhuna fil ilm. The people that are firm in knowledge. So when a Christian comes and says, uh, you know, you're, you also have multiple gods. Because Allah says, Inna nahnu Verily, we have sent the reminder. So there's, there's Trinity. Nahnu is plural. This is an ayah that is mutashabih. What is the muhkam for this? Qul Allahu ahad. Where is the Trinity? In ahad. Where is the Trinity in ahad? This is a muhkam. So those people that want to use this this kind of thing, they're actually using the Quran and, and using it to strike ayat against ayat. If this is not dalal and ghay, then what is? Huruf al-muqatta'a, this is khalas from the time of the, uh, from the time of the Sahaba until today, we understand that this is from the ijaz of the Quran. The scholars don't comment on it and it's been accepted as such. And this is from, from the miracles of the Quran and we leave it at such. The huruf al-muqatta'a, by the way, in no way, shape or form has the same impact or, or effect as an entire ayah that they're claiming is the meaning of which we don't understand. 
So when you say kaf ha ya ain sad or alif lam mim, any beginning of of these suwar, it doesn't really affect the meaning of of what you're reading. Verses an ayah that says wa yabqa wajhu rabbi rabbi kathul jalali wal ikram. Or or any other ayah of, for, that has the attribute of Allah, it actually contains a sentence, a complete sentence with 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 Arab and so on and so forth. Those al-huruf are, are already agreed upon by the Salaf of the Ummah to be left as is. Some of the scholars said it is from the miracle of the Quran in the sense that Allah Azza wa is telling the because Allah challenged the Arabs. He challenged the Arabs. You will never be able to bring anything like the Quran. Even if the ins and jinn all came together to be able to bring something like the Quran, they will not be able to do so. So those huruf is basically, this is your language. These are the huruf that you use to write poetry and to show your, your eloquence. And with these same letters, you're seeing a, a book that you cannot do anything about you cannot produce anything like it. You cannot contend it. You cannot reject it. You cannot. You understand that? Wallahu alam. But these these are two different realms. They cannot use this basically as an excuse. Wallahu alam. All right. So I'm just gonna give a final one minute uh, uh, statement, inshallah Taala, and we will conclude. The the daura is intended or at least my part of the dawra so i don't speak on behalf of other people my my part of the dawra was intended to make you curious to make you hungry to understand more because this the matter of aqidah is a very dynamic one and it's a very beneficial one as well especially in this day and time so i wanted to highlight as much as possible some of the principles, I know I failed in covering all of them. I know that I did not elaborate on everything that you wished to have an elaboration on. But that is because that has already been done over the period of, I don't know, four or five years. Actually twice the Aqidah Wasatiya was covered. Once in audio back in 2010 or something. And then again in video format. Uh, over a hundred some classes. Each one is 45 minutes. The Q&A is another 15 minutes, but 45 minutes of, of, of going over the entire book, the entire Sharh of Shaykh ibn Uthameen, every single word in the book was translated and elaborated on to the best of, of my ability with Allah's uh, success, uh, whatever Allah granted from success. From what we learned from Shaykh Abu Mujahid, which is my Shaykh back in uh, Al-Muhim, because we did the, the book with him. <coughs> so I just wanted you to get uh, a taste of, of what's going on. I know you guys are different levels, so some of you already know a lot of the stuff. Somebody are, some of you are hungry for more. Some of you, this, you're hearing this for the first time, so you're getting introduced to the subject. Uh, please refer to the uh, playlist on One Way to Paradise, youtube.com slash One Way to Paradise. It's called Al-Aqid al That's the name of the playlist. And if, you, if your time allows, go through the whole thing, take notes as much as you can. Uh, if you cover the entire book, uh, you would have... Clarity on because the Sharh of Shaykh Ibn Uthameen is, is absolutely absolutely wonderful. Rahimahullah, rahmatan wasi'ah. Go over the book, and you will. A lot of the questions that maybe were unanswered, unanswered now, bi idhnillah will be answered then. If there's still some uh, some things that I that are not addressed, you have your Shaykh who's present and uh, local, 
that I'm sure bi'idhillah he's qualified or more than qualified and ten times more qualified than I ever could be to address some of your concerns or some of your questions. So it's not like you left unattended. And some of you already have my number, so you can just reach out to me if you think that you, know, you need something specific from me. So uh, anything that, that I have said in, in these last few days, which was correct, is strictly from Allah Azza wa Any mistakes which I have made are from my own shortcomings and from the shaitan and Allah's messenger are free from them. Uh, I wanted to show you, I wanted to thank you for, for your, and appreciate your, your commitment, your efforts, your hard work, uh, uh, your adab, which is a, a very important aspect of, of talabul ilm. Uh, to be to have certain manners and the etiquettes of student of knowledge, this is a very uh, big topic that needs some elaboration. And I was, uh, I, I maybe I didn't elaborate on it enough, so forgive me for that. Uh, but I wanted to thank you for for uh, saying for your efforts. Uh, please revise and and study. Don't don't assume that you will remember all this in in a month's time. Two months' time, you will you will have only a little bit left unless you engage with this information and you go over it again and again. So, zakum la khairan for everything. Barakallahu fikum, ahsanallahu alaykum jamiyan. Fakakum la li ma hibbuhu yarda. Wajal kul hadhi al juhud fi mizan hasanatikum yoma yoma nalqa. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu Allah ilaha illa ant. Astaghfiruka wa tubu alaykum. Salam alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.